Can you turn to somebody and give them a smile? Come on, a real smile. All right, now turn to somebody else and give them a frowny face. A frowny face, okay? Most of us are probably somewhere in between, right? Well, hey, we are excited that you are here. I, we hope that the feeling is mutual. Um, online, we love you guys. Uh, have a great day. Um, I have an announcement, and I'm just going to read it off the script um, that I was given so that I don't mess this up. If you want to learn about spiritually leading yourself and your family, you want to come. Okay, we're going to have to start over. If you want to learn about spiritually leading yourself and your family, you want to come to a basics class. Um, basics is about 45 minutes long where we talk about the story of new life, what new life is all about, and how you can get involved in what God is doing here. Wow, such a responsive crowd. Um, as we are heading into the summer, our goal is to host one of these each month. Um, it's going to be the first Sunday of each month after church. Um, that's it. So, would you stand up? Now that we got that out of the way, let's focus on what is the whole point. Amen? Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that church is not about me. Church is not about us. Lord, it is about you. Lord, help us to focus. Help us to center on you, Jesus, this morning. We need you. And everybody who needs Jesus said, amen. And your name, the mountain shake and crumble. At your name, the oceans roar and tumble.
At New Life, we are following Jesus, right? We love to shout his name, not just with our voices, but with our actions. And one of our practices is giving to the local church. Here at New Life, we have four ways to give. Um, and we hope that that makes it easier for you. If you want to give, we have our mailbox, our giving box, our website, newlifepastorio.com, or our church center app. Um, can you guys put that verse up in Proverbs? The heart of giving into the local church is trust. Do I trust God with my money? Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Can you put verse 5 back up? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart makes it sound like it's a feeling. It makes it sound like it's an intuitive, like you should just know when to give, right? But then it follows up with don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. It doesn't make sense to give your money away. Can we agree on that? Right? Who likes to keep as much money as you can? Right? But maybe, just maybe, God has a different way. Maybe, just maybe, God's ways are higher than our ways. Maybe God knows something that I don't know. And so, giving is about trust. Do I believe that God loves me? Do I believe that God is going to take care of me? Do I believe that God is my Savior? Not just of my soul, but also my finances. Amen? Let's continue to worship. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. 
could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever bring Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say
as we sing, we're asking him these lyrics. So we're going to sing it again, and we're going to intentionally ponder each word with our heart as we ask him these things.
We've got something the world doesn't have. We have Jesus Christ as our Savior. Come on, give him a little more than that. Because you're going to hate heaven when we get up there and start praising him and you're the one doing the golf clap. I think we're going to be on our face. He's worthy of our praise, isn't he? Weak made strong. And all we need is his love. Mm. Let's just stay there for a while. Let's pray. You are an amazing God. You are so loving towards us. Compassionate, caring, consistent. But Father, I've sensed for a while in the room that some of these people are struggling with trauma. And it's keeping them from getting closer to you. It's keeping them from really knowing who you are, really understanding why we sing out the way that we do. So today we need to meet with you. This is not an educational sermon that you've given me. This is a, an experiential sermon. I believe that you want people to meet with you today and to find healing in their hell. Find happiness in their hurt. And I believe that you're offering that to us today. Give us an understanding today. Holy Spirit, we desperately need clarity. We love you. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, y'all may be seated. Let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. I had surgery two weeks ago. The elephant being the chair that's no longer here. I had surgery two weeks ago on my back. Their intention was to go in and to do some um, carving on the discs in my back. And they went in there and they found out that they were healing by themselves. But we all know they were not healing by themselves. They were healing by prayer and by God. And so they did some just, because they were in there, they might as well do something. So they did some stuff to kind of take some of the pressure off. I mean, if you're going to do a surgery and charge me for it, at least do something, right? <laughs> Work on my nose, do something with my face, take care of the bags under my eyes, I don't know, do something. Um, I want to thank you for your prayers, especially those of you who prayed with your family. There's a young girl in our church, 
that from the moment that I was suffering last September, they, as a family, began to pray for me. And she told her mom in the middle of May, she she said, do we have to keep praying for Pastor Andy's back? (laughs) And I believe when they got in there, I believe when they got in there, what they found was the results of that little girl's prayer. So don't underestimate the prayers of little girls, especially for old men. If I could define trauma in its simplest form, and some would take this differently, I'm trying to make it clear and just get to the point. I would describe it as a deeply disturbing or deeply distressing or deeply disturbing, disturbing experience. I don't know how many of you watched the news the other day when 19 children were killed and two adults were killed senselessly. That's a traumatic experience. That's disturbing that we as a nation have come to that. That that's what's happening in our schools. That our children have to deal with the trauma of just going to school. It's like when I went to school, the trauma was the bully that was there. Or the trauma was the test that was in front of me. It wasn't all this other stuff they've got to deal with. But I thought about that. Really, it's been about a month and a half. Just listening to your stories and watching some of you just experience some major trauma in your life, but never seeming to get victory over that trauma, never seeming to get life out of it. And I've experienced much trauma throughout my life, but my most recent experience moved me to Scripture, and that's when you really experience trauma, it moves you to kind of find out, God, what are you doing? What's going on in this moment? And I went to where everybody else goes when you go into trauma, when you experience distressing times. I went to the book of Job. Don't we love our book of Job? So we have justification for why we're sad and we're depressed and why we're (laughs) discouraged. The problem with the book of Job is Job was in the experience he was in because he was a righteous man. I'm just saying. You can take that any way you want. So we can't be Job all the time. We can't always be Job. So... I was drawn to two other places. First, the Apostle Paul in his experience with what I believe was a, a blindness, it was an eye issue. And I, I went to a passage that just kind of weighed heavy on me. It just kind of stayed with me. I feel like that's how God works sometimes, that he's speaking to you through this passage of Scripture, and it just will not leave you alone. And it says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that God was going to give him, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. You ever gone through a trauma where you just kind of, you feel like you're a loser all the time and you're telling yourself all this negative stuff and you're in this position, it's not fair, but maybe it is fair and you just, the, the trauma just speaks to you? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave. Which, I don't know about you, but most of my trauma, I spent days praying God deal with the trauma. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't believe that that was, we read that and it's like he felt something, he prayed something, God said something to him, and then all of a sudden God gave him an immediate answer and he understood what was going on. I don't think that's what happened at all. I think that's just how it's written. But I believe it was a longer period of time that Paul struggled with this trauma. So he didn't just openly say, I'm going through a traumatic experience. To God be the glory, great things he has done. This is going to be good. No, trauma sucks. But I was drawn to a second story in the book of Jeremiah. And if you're a preacher, Jeremiah is one of those books that nobody wants to read because Jeremiah was called by God to do ministry. And yet he spent 40 years and had no fruit. Like no converts. Nobody liked him. Nobody, nobody, nobody put a smiley face on his, on his sermon that day. Like every sermon he preached was not accepted. And it was depressing and discouraging. And plus, he had to go through some difficult things. God had actually, if you read the book of Jeremiah, you'll see some of the things that God asked him to do. It was harsh. It was harsh what God asked him to do. But out of that book of Jeremiah, because the book of Jeremiah is a huge book, out of the book of Jeremiah, you'll find Lamentations. And so I went from Jeremiah to Lamentations because I thought it was going to be better. <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3 especially. How many of you know Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22? Oh, great. We've got a whole bunch of newbies in the room. <laughs> Working with fresh meat. This is good. Lamentations is a collection of poems written by, uh, I believe, Jeremiah in a time of great distress. When the nation was being punished by God because they would not stop worshiping idols and stop having adultery, stop having adulterous relationships. They were adulterous with their mar in the marriages, they were adulterous in their religion. And no matter how many times that God warned them, and that's the one thing you've got to learn about God, God will give you a chance and another chance and another chance to repent but sometimes we just won't turn from our sin sometimes we just reject what God's saying to us no matter how many times God used different preachers to preach repentance towards the people of God they still worshipped idols and they still committed adultery so God, after, at some point in time, he wants his people to follow him. So at some point in time, he had to punish them. And so he said, for 70 years, you're going to go into bondage. And you're going to be taken into another country, and you're going to be slaves to that. And this slavery was a very traumatic experience for people who were once free. The problem with this trauma that I'm talking about today is it's not just the guilty that were experiencing the trauma. It was the innocent that were guilty, or not guilty, the innocent that were experiencing the trauma. Nineteen innocent children and two innocent teachers die. They weren't hurting anyone. They weren't causing any problems. They weren't in sin. But all it took was one man's sin to drag them into their 
traumatic experience. Lamentations was written amidst this trauma. It was a cry to God in a confusing time. I don't know if you've ever been in a place of trauma where you've just been confused by what you're going through and why you're going through it, and it makes no sense to you, and it doesn't seem real even that God would allow you to go through that. So I want to know today if you can identify with some of the things that I believe Jeremiah was saying. The writer, again, represents a people, but it also represents himself. So I think you could look at it as as a nation, we've suffered trauma, but as an individual, we've suffered trauma in that as well. Are you with me? Now, just to help you with some little housekeeping rules about Lamentations. When the writer of Lamentations 3 uses the word he, he's talking about God. When he uses the word I, he's talking about himself or the people of Israel. If you want to understand their trauma fully, you want to really understand what they were going through, go to the book of Jeremiah, which is a large book. It's a good book. It's great, great stories. Scary to death. And you can go to 2 Kings chapter 24 and 25. But for today... Well, let me pull back and also say this. We're, we're not going to finish everything we need to finish today. So someone's going to come up to me and say, well, you could have said, I know what I could have said. I'm saying that next week. <laughs> I know you'll only give me so much time, and I don't know how long my legs are going to stand up. So <laughs> we're going to take it one, one step at a time. Because I believe a lot of Christians always come to a conclusion and you focus on the conclusion. You don't focus on the journey to get to the conclusion. So today we're just going to get to a point and we're going to stop and we're going to kind of work on what God has said to us. Are you okay with that? It doesn't matter if you are. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) I'm just trying to be polite. The title for today is A Bitterness of Complaint in the Pain of Adversity. A bitterness of complaint in the pain of adversity. I'm going to read out of my Bible using the notes formed in the fire of the moment. I believe that's the best way to read your scripture. When you're in the fire of the moment, what the scripture is saying to you at that time. What God is speaking to you about. Again, it's going to take two sermons, so you're going to have to come back next week. You're going to not understand anything that happens. Today we're going to talk about a bitterness of complaint and the pain of adversity. Next week we're going to talk about triumph and trauma. I'll also add this last thing. I am not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a doctor of any kind. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I still believe that Jesus Christ can change everybody's life. I still believe healing comes from heaven, not from earth. So if you're looking for psychiatric help, find a psychiatrist. If you're looking for spiritual transformation, this is the place to be. (laughs) Welcome to New Life. Those of you that have been with me for the last nine months didn't know that I even had that kind of energy in me. (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till the doctor cuts me loose. He ain't cut me loose yet. (laughs) Lamentations 3 in verse 1. 
I'm in the midst of trauma. I'm in the midst of pain. I'm in the midst of a disturbing time. I'm discouraged and I'm struggling. And I come upon this passage of scripture that is written by God about Jeremiah and the children of Israel. And in it, there's some identification that happens. You want to be careful because I'm not Jeremiah. But I do understand some things that he's experienced through this time. Lamentations 3.1. I am the man who has seen affliction. Can you identify with that? I am a man, I am a woman who has seen affliction. But it gets worse under the rod of God's wrath. This trauma has come from God. The trauma that Jeremiah was experiencing, the trauma that the children of Israel were experiencing came from God. God brought it. Now, if you've never been in trauma, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. You're going to think I'm saying negative things about God. I'm saying this is how we feel when we've experienced trauma. I'm not saying it's true what we feel about God. I'm saying what's true is that we feel this about God. Amen? He has driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. Now, God is light. So God put me in the car and he drove me down the road and dropped me off and then drove away. That's how he felt. He felt as if God literally separated himself from Jeremiah. It's, it's the same thing that happened when Jesus Christ was on the cross and the earth went dark and he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's the same experience, it's the same feeling that Jesus had. Where is God? This is, you, I'm looking for the light and you've got me in the darkness. Have you ever had trauma that made you wonder, where is God? Surely against me he turns his hand. Again and again, the whole day long. God's become my daily adversary. Again, not all of you have experienced that kind of trauma where you've looked at God and said, God, why am I experiencing this every day? Why am I not, I'm not experiencing the peace and the joy and the happiness that, that all these preachers tell me that's true? It is true. We just got to get there. So hold on till next week. When I first read this, I was in deep affliction. And in my situation, I knew it was from God. I didn't know if it was because of my sin. or I didn't know if it was because of your sin. I didn't know if he was just using me as an example for you. Great. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> that happens. I just knew that 2 Corinthians was powerful in my heart and that God was doing something that he was trying to tell me that his grace is sufficient, but I didn't feel that at the moment. I know it's true, but I didn't feel it at the moment. Lamentations 3, 4. He, speaking of God, he has made my flesh and skin waste away. It means he's starving me. He has broken my bones. He has. If you read this passage over and over again, you'll see he has. He has. He has. He's saying God did this. God did this to me. God did this to me. I'm not saying God did that to him. I am saying that that's how we feel when we're in trauma. Amen. If we're honest with ourselves. He has besieged me and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. Or trouble or problems. 
all around me. I'm just getting more bitter and I'm getting more angry and I'm getting more frustrated. I'm getting more bothered by God. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. Think about being in a casket underground. And you can't get out. You can't get away. Your trauma is so great that you're just, you're buried in it. You're just stuck in it. You can't, and, and all you've got, you feel claustrophobic. Welcome to, I'm glad you guys came today. This is an, an encouraging message. It's lamentations, we're lamenting. He was under constant attack and it began to affect how he thought. I mean, if you have a traumatic experience and it's just a, a 10 minute long traumatic experience and you never experience any more trauma, that may be really bad. But if that trauma is consistent and all the time and it begins to change the way you think. His life was like dwelling in a casket, a life of death locked in a box. You ever feel that way? Like this is just the way my life is going to be. Like it's not going to change. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He made his life impossible. God made his life impossible. The weight of the situation was heavy. He couldn't bear it anymore. It was too much to take. He cried out for, to pray for help and he believed God shut out his prayers. That didn't mean that God shut out his prayers. What God said was, for 70 years, you're going to be in bondage. You're going to suffer. You're going to struggle. It's going to happen. God said it's going to happen for 70 years. So it's not that God wasn't answering. God had already answered. He just wasn't listening. Any way forward was blocked. You ever be in that place? The trauma just made like any, you're trying to move on with your life. You're just trying to go forward. You're just trying to get away from the pain. You're trying to get away from the struggle, but it's just this blockage. And your life is like a maze. You take five steps forward and there's a wall and then you turn around and you go back and then you go another direction and there's another wall. You ever been stuck in a maze? <laughs> My family went down to, um, Newport, and they have this maze with glass mirrors. And we took about 10 steps into my daughter, which she was probably three or four years old, blew a gasket. Because she, all she saw was our faces all over the place. I mean, it, was, it wasn't just a, I, I'm uncomfortable here. This was like full out blood curdling, screaming. You ever feel lost? Lots of dead ends, lots of backtracking. This is fun. Lamentations 3.10. He, speaking of God, is a bear hiding in wait for me, a lion in hiding. And from my notes I wrote, attacks surprised him. You don't expect for God to be hiding in a place and jumping out at you. You don't imagine that's where your fear is going to come from. 
He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He made me desolate. He has made me desolate. This was a huge one for me. He bent his bow and set me for a target as his arrows. He purposefully chose me for this pain. Have you ever felt like God kind of picked you out and said, yeah, I'm, I'm the target for the day? I don't know if that's how you use a bow and arrow. But <laughs> that's how you use a bow and arrow when you have a plunger on the end of it. Just, just, just saying. An attack from God surprises you, doesn't it? Every step you take is filled with pain, and these attacks are personally directed by God. You're a target for God's arrows. The children of Israel were in sin. Jeremiah was preaching repentance and preaching truth, and he was being right and holy, but they would not repent. But Jeremiah felt like God was personally attacking him, though he had done nothing wrong. Verse 13. He drove into my kidneys. Now, kidneys are an area that the Jews believed were a location of life. It's where life came from. We would say the heart today. To them, it was a kidney. I have become a laughingstock of all peoples, the object of the town of, of the taunts all day long. That, that's where I believe that Jeremiah wrote this book of Lamentations because if you read his story, he had to face those taunts. He has filled me with bitterness. He has saturated me or sated me with wormwood or bitterness. You know, sometimes when you go through trauma, it's a humiliating experience. Because people begin, and this happens all the time when you're going through something. It might be because you're in it because of your sin. It might be. But it might be because of someone else's. But, but the first thing someone's going to say is, so what'd you do wrong? What'd you do wrong? You must be in sin. Let's find out what sin it is. It wasn't. I'm sure somewhere in America there's an idiot that says, won't finish it. <laughs> this experience was filling him with bitterness. It saturated him. And, and his friends, it was so much in him that his friends began to notice, you're just bitter and you're just angry. Have you ever had somebody say to you, God, are you ever happy? Are you always negative? Can't you just get over it? You just need to pray more. Read your Bible more. You got to do something. Verse 16. He has made my teeth He's speaking of God. This is how he views God in the midst of his trauma. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying this is how he feels. He has made my teeth to grind on gravel. People grind their teeth when they're under stress. God was making his life stressful. 
Have you ever felt that sometimes Christianity makes your life stressful? Like if, okay, I'm the only one that feels that way. Like just attending church is so stressful because you got to deal with people and they're God's people and they're probably not going to be nice people. And they're going to judge me for my sin even though I smell like alcohol. I mean, are you with me? He made me cower in ashes. The Jews, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, the Jews, when they were grieving a loss, they would sit in the dirt and they would either dump dirt on their heads or they would take ashes from their fire pits and they would dump it on their head as a sign that they're, that they're grieving. And they would just weep and cry and dump dirt on their heads as, a, as an illustration of how much pain they're in from the trauma that they've experienced. Look what it says. My soul is bereft of peace. My soul, where God's supposed to dwell, where peace should be happening, isn't happening. I have forgotten what happiness is. About two months ago, I was, Deborah and I were talking, and Deborah said something really funny, and I just started gut laughing. I just started laughing my head off. And then I looked at her, and she was looking at me funny. And I said, what are you, why are you looking at me so funny? She says, because I haven't heard you laugh like that in a long time. You ever been in that place where the trauma is so great that you just forgot, that you just forgot to laugh? That you no longer have any joy in your life? There's no ex- happiness. There's no- nothing, that, nothing that makes you just snot run down your nose laugh. <laughs> Come on, that's real laughter there. And you don't even care. You're just la- It's just funny. And it doesn't, they don't even have to do anything more. Like you, they could do it an hour ago and you're still, you're still chuckling about that. But how long has it been since you had that kind of laughter? So I say, speaking to himself, my endurance has perished. I'm tired. And so has my hope from the Lord. Not in the Lord, from the Lord. The hope that's supposed to come from Him, that when He's present, we're supposed to feel this hope that we have, that greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. Amen? Amen. That kind of hope that, that if God is with me, like, I don't care what kind of a bully you are, if God's with me, He'll beat you up. Amen? Amen? Amen. But you didn't, ha- you didn't have that. God was making His life Actually, God was more like the bully. He was making his life stressful, depressing, without peace, joyless, wearisome, and hopeless. This is how he viewed God in the midst of his trauma. Verse 19 says, 18 says this, remember. Because there's a transition in the passage right here where he's thinking about all these things about God and he's trying to help himself figure out what's going on. And he says this, remember my affliction and my wanderings. The wormwood or bitterness and the gall, that's the pain. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me, meaning it's humbling, it's humiliating, it's hurtful. Why am I experiencing this? Where is God in this? What, what's happening in my life? But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope, and that's next week. 
because you're just going to skip all the stuff that I just said to go right to the end. See, this is my bitterness of complaint against the pain of adversity. Sometimes you go through trauma and it causes you to be bitter and you just want to complain. You just need to complain. You just need to say something to God. God, what's going on here? What's happening in me? This pain of this adversity that I'm experiencing from all the pain that I have is too much for me to handle. Where are you, God? What's going on with you? Why am I going through this? I'm innocent. Or why am I going through this? I've repented. I've said, forgive me. See, this is my lament, and it's missing in the lives of most believers. We don't lament well. Lamenting's not venting because venting comes with anger. Lamenting is when trauma seeks truth. I don't understand what's going on, God. I don't know if I, what I thought about you isn't what I'm seeing in you. Help me understand. See, trauma makes you seek truth. I know in mine, I wanted to know who God really was, not who I had read about, not who somebody taught me about. I wanted to know who you were. Because everything I've taught may be true. But through the lens of what I'm experiencing, I don't know, where are you, God? And I thought about this in regards to you. How many of you have had the, the trauma of finding out that your spouse has cheated on you. you? You you stood at an altar or in a bar, I don't know where you got married, and you committed to love and to cherish till death do you part. You committed one to another, and then adultery happens. And that trust that you banked your life on, that trust that you had hope in is gone. That's traumatic. It's a, it's a trauma. It's deeply disturbing. What about the trauma of learning you have cancer and it's inoperable? You don't have a future on this earth. You have days or months. You don't have years. That's traumatic. I thought of this. What about those of you that have left the church that you poured your life into? That you've given so much to. And now you've come to new life. And we weren't your first choice. We weren't your second choice. We weren't even your third choice. You just dropped in here because you were driving by and you had nothing else to do on a Sunday. And you said, well, here I am. I'm just... Come on. Please don't tell me that's not traumatic to pour your life into some place and then have to leave it. Where is God? What's he doing? What, what about the trauma of losing a job? I don't know. This, this, is a, this is a weird part for this thought because most people aren't traumatized by losing a job. Most of you are happy when you lose a job. But I was raised in a day when you worked a job and you worked it until you died. My marriage was forever. 
Amen? My job is forever. Some of you are like, now I'm depressed. <laughs> this is trauma. <laughs> what about the trauma of losing a child? I could not imagine how you feel about God because of what I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine how you would feel if you lost your spouse. I could not imagine what that would feel like. I could not imagine the trauma and what you would feel about God. But see, what I'm seeing is trauma has become a way of life. Our coping with it is just to soldier on. Because we don't know how to lament. We don't understand what God gave us in the idea of lamentations to deal with the trauma that we've experienced in our lives. So we just live with it. So your spouse cheats on you and you just live with it. And then you just become angry and bitter. I've seen that so many times. You find out you got cancer and you got so much time left and all you do is get depressed and you die before you've actually died. I understand. I'm not, please don't think that I'm minimizing or judging anybody in that. You've left the church you poured your life into and you're never going to get involved again because you don't want to feel that pain ever again. So you're going to date us. You're never going to marry us. Because we weren't your first, second, third, fourth. I get it. You've lost a child, so you're not going to have another. Or you're going to be so depressed and so discouraged, so traumatized that you can't even love the ones you've got left. Well, I get it. I'm not, please don't think I'm beating you up for that. I'm trying to tell you, I get it. I understand that. The problem is, is there's more life after lamenting. But trauma teaches you truth. Amen. See, lamenting isn't a way of life. It's a way to life when you've been traumatized. It's not a way of life. You can't, you can't be Lamentations chapter 3, verses 1 through 21... You can't live there forever. You, there, there's a, there's a, it's, it's okay to lament, but there's a point to where you've got to come out of that lamentations, that, that lament. You've got to come out of that pain. You've got to come out of that place. But you've got to lament first. It's okay to lament. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 says, In this rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found a result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes your trauma is just a testing of your faith. And lamenting is saying, 
what I thought I believed about God is not exactly what I'm seeing in God. It's not exactly what I'm experiencing in God. So what's the truth about God when I'm lamenting? How do you find that truth? A couple ways, a couple things. Just real, real quick and we'll be done. You, you can go home and you can be happy. See, you shouldn't have got me fixed because now I'm standing up. I can preach a long time now. <laughs> the first step into lamenting is to remember to be honest with yourself. I'm going to say this because there's going to be some hyper-spiritual Christian that's going to tell you you shouldn't do what I'm going to tell you to do. But what, what I'm saying about reading the scripture is when you read it, you can see that God allowed for this lamenting to happen. God allowed for him to say these truths that he was feeling in the moment, and it was okay for him to say that. He wasn't venting, he was lamenting. Be honest with yourself. I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. I have felt God's discipline, I've felt his chastening, and it sucks. I don't like it, it hurts. It wasn't even my fault. It was somebody else's fault. I'm going through this for your benefit, not mine. But this is how God works. I made the, not the mistake, but I can say there was a time that I thought it was a mistake to surrender my life to God years ago. Because that means he can use me any way that he wants to use me. He's God. I'm not. But I want him to use me for the good stuff. Right? I want all the positive things to happen. I want all the peace to come, all the joy to come. I want him, right? This affliction hurt me. You need to be honest with the fact that sometimes the disciplining of God, or the discipline of God, what he takes us through to teach us stuff, or to teach other stuff, Sometimes you just got to say, this is hurting me. God's not bothered by you saying, God, your punishment is painful. What it should do is open your eyes up to what happens with people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they've got to face the real wrath of God. Which is hell, which I know we don't talk about hell anymore because you can't talk about hell in churches with this generation because you're too sensitive to think that God actually would send people to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. People go to hell because they refuse to accept Christ as their Savior. It's choice. Well, I don't like that about God. That just means you don't know Him and you're, you're in a place of lamenting. Let's lament that. I can't be free from it. I can't be free from this pain. I can't be free from this suffering. There was not a moment in nine months where the pain did not change. No matter what I did, no matter where I sat, no matter where I stood, it was the exact same pain for nine months. I tried to hide it. I tried to medicate it. I tried to numb it. But no matter what I did, the pain was still there. Let's be honest with yourself. Some of you are still suffering from some trauma that you've experienced, and the pain is the same as it happened, when you were, it happened to you when you were a child, and you're still struggling with the pain of it. You're still dealing with with the, with the trauma that's, that's, that's troubled you for so long. And you've tried all the other things to be healed by it, and it hasn't helped. Why don't you just be honest with God about it, or honest with yourself about that? 
these attacks from God surprise me. It surprises me when God disciplines me. I want to view God as this God of love who never disciplines his children. You ever seen a home where people don't, parents don't discipline their children? Is that your home? Someone's in trauma. Let's pray. This is very personal and painful. God, the, the scripture says that God disciplines those who he loves. But I don't like that. I don't want that. That's not the experience that I want to have with God. I want to have all the good stuff. When God makes it personal, it's personal. Why not Kayla? Why me? Kayla probably needs some discipline. It would make her a better worship leader. <laughs> Come on, is that not what you think? That sometimes it's, why, why not somebody else? Why is it me? Why not Angelo? He's young, he can heal, he's got time. I'm becoming bitter. Have you ever been honest and just said, not because somebody else said you're bitter, but because you recognize you're just becoming bitter. You're negative all the time because you're suffering from pain. You're just bitter. I can't handle the stress of my life. I'm not saying you tell other people that. I'm saying you tell yourself this. You be honest with yourself and say, I can't handle this stress. I'm on the verge of depression those of you that have been with me long enough to know that I, I, I run the fine line between depression and delight. <laughs> but I can feel when I'm falling over the edge of depression. But see, for a while I wasn't honest about that. I'm not depressed, I'm just really sad. I can't get out of bed, but I'm just really sad. I can't put a smile on my face, but I'm just really sad. I want to kill myself, but I'm just really sad. But when you're honest with yourself, you can recognize that you're starting to fall over that edge. Praise God, I've got an amazing wife who pulls me over the, to the light side. I want some peace. Have you ever just said, just been honest and said, I just want some peace. I've, my staff has heard me say it over and over and over again. I just want... A year where there's no church problems. Just give me a year. I've been doing this for 25 and I haven't found one yet. It's not been that bad. It's been a long time since I've laughed. When was the last time you were honest and say, it's just been a long time since I really laughed? I mean, just didn't care what people thought and didn't care what they heard and didn't care how much snot come out of my nose, didn't care how much spit come, just, I just want to laugh again. I want to laugh until I fart. I mean, I just want that. I'm not trying to be crude. Please don't take it that way. But I mean, literally letting yourself go to a place. It's been a long time since you've laughed, isn't it? 
Don't worry, there's somebody that's judging me already, I'll guarantee it. Come on, didn't that feel good? Welcome to new life. I'm tired. I've lost hope even in God. Have you ever been to that line where you're in so much trauma, so you experience so much pain that you've just said, I've even lost hope in God. And when you, when you lose hope in God, you've got no hope. Because the world isn't going to take away your trauma. The world's going to give you more trauma. So if the one who's supposed to take away my trauma isn't available or I don't have hope in him, I have no hope at all. Have you ever been in that place where the trauma is so much that there is zero hope of you ever getting out of that place or that position? It's not a sin to be honest with yourself about your pain. It's a sin to live there. But it's not a sin to lament it. The second step in lamenting is to remember to be honest with God. Now, I was not trained this way in church. I was trained by people that said, you can't be honest with God. Because you just got to be right all the time. You got to be proper and perfect. You know what I've learned through my trauma? I didn't know God as well as I thought I knew him. Oh, I knew the scriptures. I knew, knew what it said. I knew what it said about him. But the trauma teaches, trauma teaches truth. And what I learned is what I thought about God is not exactly the way God really is. None of what I was experiencing made sense to me as far as what I knew about him. The discipline God pours out can be harsh, even to his own children. You ever been disciplined by a dad who loved you and disciplined you well, but you thought he was being harsh, unfair? Trauma, tell God, trauma makes me feel far from you. It doesn't make me feel closer. It's making me feel like you drove me away from you and, 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 and put me in a place where I felt like I'm in the grave. Where's God? When God's the source of my suffering, I can't find my own way out. I can't control it. If God is disciplining you, there's no way to get away from it until God stops disciplining you. And he disciplines those who he loves. So just so you know, if you're not being disciplined by God, you're you're probably not his. He doesn't discipline other people's children. He only disciplines his own. Are we okay? Because I'm almost done. Almost done with this part. <laughs> Be honest with God. This trauma that I'm experiencing surprises me. I didn't think you'd make it so personal. It's not very comfortable. You're causing me stress, God. You're causing me stress. You're supposed to give me peace. And I have no peace. I'm cowering in discouragement. There's no joy in my heart. You're wearing me out. I'm losing hope even in you. 
See, sometimes it's just right to be honest. It's not a sin to be honest with God about what you're feeling in the moment. It's like, when have you ever had that friend that they're going through a difficult time and, and you go up to them and say, hey, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm doing great. Liar. I can't help you if you're lying to me all the time. Pastor, how's your back? Oh, it's, it's great. Doing great. Inside, I'm screaming, ah! And you can't help me if I'm not honest with you. This affliction in my life's wanderings is making me bitter towards you, God, and it's poisoning my heart. I don't want to be against you, God. I don't want to be angry with you. I don't want to be hurt by you. I don't want to blame you for all of my life's problems. God can handle your argument. What he can't take is a lie. If you're struggling with God, say something to him. He even teaches us if we have a problem with somebody, go to that person. You got a problem with God, go to God. Don't go to everybody else. Go right to God and say, God, this is what I'm feeling in the moment. This trauma is too much. It's part of your lamentation. To be honest with yourself and to be honest with God. How many of you have been honest with God? I just said, I need to see you as you really are, not as, a, as I've been told you that you are. And what I'm experiencing in this moment is teaching me something different. And I want to see the truth of you. I need to know the truth of you. I need to feel the truth of you. I need to know truth. There's a third step in lamenting, and I've only got a page and a half left, so we're almost done. It's not only being honest with God and honest with yourself, but it's honest about God and yourself. See, one thing trauma does is teach you the truth about who you are, who you really are. If you never have any trouble in your life, you'll never know the truth about who you are. Trauma teaches you the truth of who you are, and trauma teaches you the truth of who God is. Paul's trauma that, that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, was given to him by God so that God could show him the truth. The truth about Paul was that, the, that his power and Paul's strength was nothing compared to the power of Christ, which the power of Christ is seen in our weakness, not in our strength. Christ becomes powerful when we are not trying to be powerful on our own, when we are put in a position where we can no longer do it without him, and we stop trying to control things in our own power try to fix our own trauma. See, through Paul's trauma, the truth of God and Paul was exposed. Paul was prideful. And that was exposed through the lamenting that he did. But God was powerful. See, you may question the power of God in your trauma, but if you're honest about God, he's still more powerful in your weakness than he is in your strength. Because when you're in your strength, you don't need him. But in your weakness, you're desperate for him. 
even if you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. We'll have more of an answer to this next week, but I purposely wanted to stop here. Because the Jews had that practice that I talked about earlier, that when they experienced trauma, when they experienced grief, they would sit in the dirt in sackcloth. It's exactly what you think it is. It's a sack for clothes. And ashes. They would dump it on their heads in their grieving. And they would weep over their trauma. They would lament. They would be honest about how they feel and they would be honest about how they feel about God and then they would be honest about who God really was. They would cry out to God in the bitterness of complaint and the pain of their adversity. They would be honest about themselves and they would be honest with God and in doing so they would be honest about who they were and who God really was. I'm going to tell you something that trauma did for me is it taught me just how much I need God. Even in my trauma, I still need God. In fact, in my trauma, I need God more than I need it in my peace. I know many of you are still dwelling on the trauma. You've made a life of your trauma. You live there. You live in the depression. You live in the discouragement. You live in the doubt. You live in the, the, the distance. Why don't you come and lament? Just come sit in the dirt with us. I was actually going to try to preach just sitting down on the, on the thing. I was going to have dirt around me and I was going to... But I get to stand, so I'm sorry. You're not going to get me to sit in the dirt now. I sat in the dirt three weeks ago. See, you've made a lifestyle of lamentation. But you've never found the life that it should bring. And lamenting should bring you life. So we're going to end this service just sitting in the dirt. See, I'm not here just to inform you. I'm to inspire you to draw closer to God. And sometimes you just got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with God. So we're just going to be honest with ourselves, with God, and about God. Lamentations 3.28 says, Let him sit alone in silence. When it is laid on him, when it being the, the, the trauma is laid on him. And see, what you ought to hear, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what you ought to hear when you lament, after you've said, this is how I feel, this is me being honest, this is what I think about you, God, but this is what I know about you, God, which we're going to talk about next week. The Holy Spirit should be saying this to you, and this is Lamentations 3.22. I'm using the King James because I love the language in it, especially when it's poetic. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. If it was not for God, I would not be here today. Because his compassions fail not. Pastor, I'm in the midst of trauma. He loves you. He loves you. You might be in it because he loves you so much. He's trying to reveal himself to you in ways that you could never see without the trauma. God loves you.
They are new every morning. Every morning I get to wake up and find out that God loves me. Every morning I get to wake up, yeah, I might still be in this trauma, but God still loves me. There's never a doubt that God loves me. Great is thy faithfulness. God, even in the midst of this, even though I, I've, I've said this about how I feel, and I've said this how I feel about you, you're still faithful to me. Though I've been unfaithful to you, you've still been faithful to me. Though I've been unfaithful to my spouse, you're still faithful to me. <coughs> Though I've been unfaithful, you're still faithful. The Lord is my portion. He belongs to me. He's a part of my life. He's in my heart. He dwells there. He's not really distant from me, even though I feel like he's distant from me. He, his spirit lives within me. He's always present and he's always there. But sometimes I ignore him. Sometimes I grieve him. Sometimes I quench him. In my trauma, not my lamentation. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul deep within me. Therefore, I will have hope in the midst of this trauma in him. For those of you who know Christ as your Savior, that's what the Holy Spirit should be comforting you with right now. If Jesus Christ is not your Savior, the Holy Spirit won't be there to give you that comfort. You're just going to think that God is distant. I'm going to tell you right now, God is right here for you. All you've got to do is surrender your life to him and trust him that he would cover your sin. There's more to that, and I need you to come talk to me if you have that question. But, but sometimes we just need to lament. Sometimes we just need to sit in the dirt. Sometimes you just need to sit there and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. Sometimes you just need to be honest and say, God, this is what I'm seeing about you. And it doesn't make any sense to me that you would put me through all this. Let's stand. Come sit in the dirt with me. If you've suffered trauma that you have not had healing from, or you're in the midst of trauma now, just come sit in the dirt with me. Just come sit right up here. Just come sit with me. Just be honest about God. Be honest with yourself. Come sit in the dirt with me. I'm, 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 I've just been through a traumatic experience myself. And I'm on the other side, not because of my doctor's visit, but because of my experience with God sitting in the dirt.
See, some of you are going to dwell in your trauma. You're just, you're just going to stay there. You're not going to sit in the dirt. You're not going to be honest about yourself. You're not going to be honest with God. And you're not going to be honest about God. Because you're scared. You're scared of how to do life without the trauma. Trauma has become your life. You don't have to live there. You can lament. You can be honest with God and you can be honest with yourself and you can see the truth of who God really is, but you've got to lament. God loves you. I say that over and over again. And in your trauma, you just don't see it. You don't feel it. So maybe you're not ready to come sit with me in the dirt today. You got a whole week to lament. That's why I didn't come to the conclusion we're going to come to next week because I want you to lament first. Because if you make this your lifestyle, lamenting is a part of your life, you're not going to be living in the trauma that's been happening to you or has happened to you. You're going to find life at the end of the lamentation. And the trauma that you've experienced will teach you a truth about yourself and it'll teach you a truth about God that won't just be words on a page. It'll be part of your life. I know more about God since I've suffered and struggled with what I struggled with than I've ever known about God. Some of you have already, you, you know this and you've, you've been through trauma and you've gotten victory through lament, lamenting. You should be praying for those and with those who go through traumatic experiences. I thought the other day as I thought of the school shooting, I thought about our teachers and how much trauma they must feel every time that happens. And I just started praying for the teachers my granddaughter's principal at the school, I just, every time I saw her after that, I just, I just kept begging God that God would give her peace and God would give her protection because she's a wonderful lady. I couldn't imagine the trauma of being responsible for a school and having that be a part of what happens in schools today. Yes, I prayed for the people down in Texas. There's a bitterness of complaint against the poison of adversity and it's a lamentation. Some of you need to repent today. Humble yourself before God. Some of you need to rejoice. You've been through the trauma and you've experienced God in ways that you never thought you would. Kayla, let's sing something. Can we do that? You guys don't got to go home yet. It's still 1130. I'm still standing.
We're just sitting in the dirt today. Christ alone, our cornerstone. Father, thank you for teaching me the truth about you. It really wasn't any different than what I believed before, but it was solidified through the trial. It is my prayer that those who are here that have suffered trauma, whether it was at the hands of themselves or the hands of somebody else, they'll be lamenting so that they can start living life again. That they will have no fear in calling upon you and saying, this is how I feel about myself. This is what I think about you. Show me the truth about you. Show me the truth about you. Show me the truth about you, God. Father, be with those that are here today and Lord, just Hopefully, if they just couldn't sit in the dirt today, that maybe they can sit in the dirt tomorrow or maybe Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. But by the end of this week, they've sat in the dirt with you and learned just how much love you have for them. Encourage them to seek you, Father. We love you. Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. guys, have a great day. Love you all. Thank you for praying for me. God bless.
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Sure.